I think what's what's become clearer, certainly in the last few years, as competition in the game industry has really stepped up, is that there's a fundamental difference between a great game and a great game business. You know, you could be super lucky, you your game is an instant hit, it's resonating with users, but for when that's not the case, uh, or even when you just want to take your game growth to the next level, that's where we come in. So we've developed a really incredible platform that's designed to make you as powerful and as capable as possible in growing your game, whether that's growing your game revenue or growing your user base. That was Melissa Zella, VP of Marketing at IronSource. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppsFlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppsFlyer's latest product, the incrementality solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppsFlyer's incrementality solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With, with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest that you head out to appsflyers.com. Hello, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Twig One Twenty Seven. You got myself, Joe Kim, Mishka Katkoff, Eric Kress, and Adam Telfer. Today, we're going to be talking about four articles. First, exclusive Tencent's Timmy Gaming Studio generated ten billion in twenty twenty. Sources say by Reuters. Second, Manticore raises a hundred million for user generated. Games in the Multiverse by VentureBeat. Third, Clash of Clans reveals three new games, Clash Quest, Mini, and Heroes by Screen Rant. And finally, Wild Rift is League of Legends for Everyone by Polygon. How are you guys doing? Good. <laughs> Eric, you've got a confused look on your face. What, what's going on? I'm a little slow this morning, I have to admit. So... Luckily, I'm not going to be the star of the show this time. <laughs> All right. In that case, I guess we could jump straight into updates. So I've got two updates from me. First, PocketGamer.biz is noting that according to Sensor Tower data, hyper-casual games, games downloads peaked in Q1 of last year in 2020 and has since then decreased every quarter since, since then. And through the pandemic, Pocket Gamer notes that the big winners in terms of genre was the Puzzle category, which managed to see an 11% year-over-year increase, and simulation grew 13% year-over-year. Also, Inner Sloths Among Us was the biggest winner in terms of downloads between Q2 through Q4 of last year. Next update from me, as a huge Final Fantasy fan, Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi has returned with the launch of Fantasian, an epic RPG on Apple Arcade last week. So as a huge fan, I just wanted to call that game out. Very unique art style. Looks pretty cool. So if there are any Apple Arcade subscribers out there, be sure to check it out. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Whoever has Apple Arcade then. We'll we all have game. Apple Arcade. Come on. We're just, <laughs> we're just hiding it. <laughs> um, a couple updates on my side. So something, some news I found. So Nielsen shuts down Superdata. And there was, of course, all the time these sort of rumors that we've addressed here, not rumors, but but just issues with their data being inaccurate. Uh, and the, probably the biggest one was when uh, Epic CEO came in and kind of um, gave his data regarding what data Superdata was having um, in terms of Fortnite. I don't remember. We covered it on this podcast like 50 episodes ago. But nevertheless, Nielsen is shutting Superdata down. <laughs> And second thing was Play Ventures. So Play Ventures announced second fund of $135 million. So Play Ventures is a premier VC focusing purely on gaming. Uh, I think they invested in, Adam, did they invest in your studio back in the days? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, and of course, investor in Savage Games, my studio. 
So Eric, here you have it. <laughs> we have ties. Congratulations to to Play Ventures, a massive, <laughs> massive second fund. I'm surprised we're not like dedicating half the episode to play ventures, <laughs> given your affiliation. <laughs> I mean, we should. Anyway, uh, super data. I think super data shutting, even though it was notoriously inaccurate, as you say, it still was the only source of information for um, a lot of things in the marketplace that that we won't see, particularly microtransactions and et cetera, that, um, that it will be missed. And so, you know, as an analyst, you know, I have to figure out how to like figure out a different way of tracking that to to keep tabs on what's going on. So I, I again I'm surprised that no one picked this thing up, right? That someone didn't just say, hey, yeah, we'll take it over, you know, we'll give you pennies on the dollar for it. But instead Nielsen just shut the thing down because they did acquire it like only a few years ago. So anyway, bizarre. Um all right, my update on an update. So last year last week we uh talked about new zoo. Um, and uh, New Zoo reached out. <laughs> you know, they want to clear up the misunderstanding about their cloud gaming forecast. All right, gotcha. Um, of course, their analyst is some like electrical engineer, you know, with a master's of business from Oxford, right? She is going to wipe the fucking floor with me. I, just to be clear, right? I know this is going to happen because I, just a bunch of nonsense, right? She's going to talk methodology and, I don't know, dude. I'm 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 doomed. I know I'm doomed. Wait, are you going to talk to her or, and walk or is she going to go and, on with Mishka? And, and chat through this, uh, their methodology and their output. We'll see. We'll do whatever. Um, okay. Right. I, I'm very interested to see how they, they came up with that calculation. Yeah. It's only fair that they have a chance to uh, to respond. And it does sound like from, you know, from the communications I've had with Nizu that, you know, they, they seem like good good people. So... Yeah. Yeah, and then I do want to make a correction because it wasn't Newzu that forecasted VR. It was IDC. Basically, they said that there was going to be a 65 million install base by 2020. <laughs> Come on, dude. I mean, we're at like 20 million tops, you know. But anyway, all these all these forecasts I think are are overly ambitious. Uh, VR, AR, esports, and of course cloud gaming. And so, you know. I, I look forward to talking to Nuzu about it, and they they have been actually building this report for a while now. Um, and uh, she gave me an old version of of uh, of the report, so I'll I'll definitely look through it before we we talk to her. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Beta Hat, and we will be right back. I want to talk about consumer insights. Honestly, I've always had issue with consumer insights. I questioned the value and felt that CI was always somewhat disconnected from the real world. The big issue with CI firms is they don't hire people that know anything about video games and therefore don't have a fundamental understanding of what matters in this business. That's why I like Beta Hat. Beta Hat knows the business of video games and understands how to connect consumer insights to the real world. And Beta Hat helps you understand your customers, understand not only what they do, but why. They specialize in customer segmentations, brand tracking, messaging, and positioning pricing and SKU planning, and playtesting through qualitative and quantitative research. There are about 10 people in this industry that I rely upon to understand trends. And one of them is Stan Kwan, the CEO of BetaHat. BetaHat is the best CI team in the industry. Go to betahatmr.com for more information. That's betahatmr.com. Welcome back, and let's start the news. Okay, guys, starting the news. Our first news article is from Reuters. Exclusive Tencent's Timmy Gaming Studio generated $10 billion in 2020, sources say. And so in what Reuters is calling an exclusive article, they state that Tencent's Timmy Gaming Studio generated $10 billion in 2020, according to two unnamed secret squirrel sources. So this would make Timmy the world's largest developer. Reuters then suggests that this provides a basis for Timmy to move beyond mobile and compete directly with global heavyweights in AAA titles on console. Most interestingly, in a recruitment notice last month, apparently a Timmy engineer wrote that the company is aiming to build a new AAA game that resembles the virtual community from Ready Player One and will, quote, compete head-to-head against big powers from Japan, Korea, Europe, and U.S., Further, Tencent is building studios overseas, including one studio each for Timmy and one for Lightspeed and Quantum, which is the other 
famous Tencent-owned studio. And so both of those studios are going to be based in LA. And despite being based in LA, apparently these new studios intend on developing original IP. So Tencent has ambitions to increase its revenue to over half from overseas. And at least in Q4 of 2019, it generated 23% of its revenue from overseas. And while Tencent doesn't break down its revenue for individual studios, apparently these two secret sources say that Timmy accounted for 40% of Tencent's overall game revenue. Of the remaining gaming revenue, apparently Lightspeed and Quantum contributed 29% of the overall Tencent gaming revenue, while 26% was proceeds from publishing for other developers, such as Aurora Studios Group. Any thoughts, guys? Yeah, this feels like Tencent's endgame or master plan all kind of coming together from my perspective. I think Timmy and Lightspeed are incredible developers. And I think now working with Western IP and pretty much having like a nearly perfect hit track record, right? To be basically a billion dollars plus lifetime for really every developer, every title they're developing. Um, they're just, they're, they're incredible, right? Each are focused on PVP, cosmetic-based live models built for mobile and cross-platform really from the ground up. So it's going to be incredibly difficult to out-operate these companies uh, without reaching their scale. And I think they're right in terms of AAA devs, Western AAA devs can definitely reach the scale. They don't have the talent or the focus to out-operate uh, these companies in live. So I think only MiHoYo hopefully I got that right, I keep getting those confused, has been able to do this, right? Um, and I just, like, looking at their next game, the survival shooter from Timmy, looks great, right? It's a great fit for the studio, given what's happening with PUBG and Call of Duty, and it really makes sense for the next franchise for them to develop. Um, I'm also expecting them to do some sort of a looter shootery thing from Timmy or, or Lightspeed as well, uh, and will be even more difficult to compete, given the content requirements. Eric? Yeah, I mean, these guys have executed flawlessly. Even even with Call of Duty, when initial results were relatively disappointing from a monetization perspective, I think they just doubled down and just threw goddamn tons of bodies at it to create you know more content and and live ops for the game, and now it continues to do extremely well beyond our expectations. Um, just as as a little bit of a backdrop, I know I think I've said this in the podcast before, but I remember when I was at Kabam, we talked to all these guys: Netmarble, Netties, uh, Tencent, etc. And all of them were completely um, not dismayed, but concerned about growth in China because it's so competitive, right? And their goal and their strategy, and this was about eight years ago, was to expand in the West uh, by any means necessary, right? Because they felt that there was a lot more opportunities to grow, to take share um, from the West. And I believe, I mean, it's just pretty clear is that Tencent was the most aggressive and definitely has been rewarded. Netmarble uh, has been strong. Netties has made a lot of investments. Um, but again, in some ways, you could view this as a negative to, that you know China is kind of taking over, et cetera, et cetera. But the other thing is it's created a lot of opportunities for investment in Western companies. Um, and I'm not going to go through all of them. But um, you know they are kind of the, the money that's helping fuel this. And they were early, right? And now we have all the VCs coming out and investing in all these you know, freaking metaverse companies, but, um, but they were, but China was just very, very aggressive on the mobile side and have done extremely well. Yeah. Maybe no, a couple you're completely right in terms of these investors moving over and focusing on metaverse style companies instead of all these, like you look at the track record of Tencent, who they picked up over the last few years, right? Like it, especially last year with digital extremes and you got grinding gear games before that they've picked up the most amazing future facing AAA console studios long before anybody was even thinking about this. Yeah, maybe a couple but, uh, thoughts on Tencent for me is that, well, and Timmy in particular, I, I also have had an opportunity to meet those guys and talk to them. They definitely think at massive scale. That's just how their, their thinking is completely around that. I also think, though, that in terms of being able to develop more share in the West, it seems like they're trying to learn it. From anecdotally, it seems like they've hired every consultant available <laughs> in the Western markets, which I think is actually going to hurt them more than help them. <laughs> but uh, uh, I also think you shouldn't count out um, racing. So remember, you know, the, the, their first huge hit was QQ Speed. So, uh, you know, don't count that out. Yeah. And, and to be clear, I mean, part of the reason that they can operate in this way, I mean, they're unfettered, right? Like, EA, Activision, Take-Two, all these big companies in the West are 
responsible to shareholders on a quarterly basis. And and so is Tencent to some degree, but they also have just a lot of other stuff that's going on. Um, and and so they have the ability to make insane investments that that it would not be prudent for most other inv- in companies to do, right? Um, and it's also an advantage of being from you know a Chinese company as well. So they have some advantages from the perspective of, of, of resources, but also um, uh, capabilities uh, and, and, and not as many checks uh, compared to other you know, Western companies. So it is not quite an even playing field <laughs> to some degree. But um, anyway, I, you know, they're making some great games and they're doing extremely well and, and teaching us you know, what, what the consumer is willing to do or willing to play and buy and spend. All right, next, Manticore, my favorite. Um, they raised $100 million uh, for user-generated games in the multiverse. I, I think why, actually- why did they say multiverse, not me- metaverse? Oh, is it just that, like a- No, 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 but that is the yeah. name of the article, isn't it? Why is it multiverse? I, I, I think we're going to ban those two words from the podcast <laughs> from now on. I think we're- <laughs> <laughs> At least be consistent, all right? <laughs> No, it's just, I don't know. It's just so hyped, these words. They don't even have any meaning anymore. But anyway, um, okay. The mountain is huge, right? Uh, But Rec Room just raised $100 million uh, at a $1.2 billion valuation. Dapper Labs, which does CryptoKitties and NBA Top Shops, raised $305 million. How did I miss that? I, I didn't even see that. Anyway, whatever. It's crazy. Um, XN led the round and SoftBank. London Venture Partners, Benchmark, Bitcraft, um, and uh, Correlation Ventures, and also Epic participated as well. Um, they are releasing exclusively on the Epic Store on April fifteenth. So this is you know right before that happens. They have like twenty thousand free games, uh, about five hundred thousand projects that have started, and over one million player accounts and creators. So. They're basically preparing for the onslaught of releasing on the Epic Store, which should increase their uh, penetration significantly. They said in the article, Manticore does about a 50-50 split with creators uh, versus uh, 70-30, so 30 for developers on Roblox and 30-70 for most other platforms in the world, (laughs) right? So 70% to the creators uh, on the App Store, et cetera. and he actually put it very succinctly, uh, Desk Camps, right? Is that how you pronounce his name? Anybody know? De Camps or something like that. De oh, Christ. There's no way I'm pronouncing <laughs> it. Okay. Um, they may say the demand, the, the demand side, the supply side, the engine, the servers, the tech, and the community. It's a lot of work <laughs> to build the quote-unquote, I'm going to say community-based gaming. How about that? Um, all right. So my take, I think it's, a great team of folks, a lot of old EA, Zynga, et cetera. They have a huge task ahead of them to compete with the likes of Roblox and Epix. Um, and, you know, Frederick, I'm going to call him Frederick. I'm not to pronounce his last name. Frederick basically says it very well. You know, the uh, demand, supply, engine, servers, tech, and community is a very expensive thing to do. <laughs> That's pretty much sums it up, right? And even though $100 million is a shit ton of money um, and... And uh, for particularly for a small company like this, uh, a relatively small company, uh, it's it's just basically insane. So, just to be clear, I mean, for the demand side, they have to track users and and retain you know retain them with with a, with a strong ecosystem of products and services. They have a, the supply; they have to establish a relationship with developers and provide them tools and technology and and support to help build games. From the engine, they have to basically have an, a separate team that actually is building up the engine and the tools and technologies for the developers. Um, and then the back end, which is what Roblox does extremely well, is hosting these uh, all on the server side to make it as, as seamless as possible, no matter where you are in the world. And then obviously, you know, community of, of users and 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 creators uh, building community systems around that is is just a very Herculean task. Um, and again, these are the biggest challenges of, of building these type of social systems, right? Like social games. Now, now I can't even remember my own terminology. Um, and it just takes more, a lot more investment than traditional gaming. And again, you need to build and support every aspect of the ecosystem to make it successful. Uh, so I guess my biggest concern right now, if, if I were to be, you know, the cynic that I am, is the business model, right? So... 
you know, as long as Epic has Fortnite and other means of generating revenue, they don't really need to charge 50%, 30% or whatever. They can charge whatever they want to charge. Um, and they will likely undercut the rest of the competition, particularly based upon what Sweeney has talked about in the past. I'm surp- I wouldn't be surprised if they do like a 15% less tax or tax or rev share when they build out their kind of Epic universe tool. Um, and this would be a huge draw for developers because it's a really well-funded, obviously, and and really well-known with a huge platform. And they charge 15 versus 70 for Roblox. I mean, I think that's a huge concern. Or 50 for uh, Manticore. And um, it could be, you know, this, this, it just seems to be they would draw people away from these other other systems. And I don't think Manticore could really survive on a, on a, on a 15% split. So it's basically the power of the big, you know, ultimately. Um, but I'm really excited to see what Manticore does and how they create. I, as I said in the last time, I think they will basically build these tools and technologies and perhaps get acquired ultimately. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to Patrick Beekner, who was my boss's boss at EA way back then. He joined about a, a year ago. Um, I'm really excited for him and his team. And he's definitely building up quite a marketing org over there to help support this. So very cool. Yeah, I just want um, to make an exclusive announcement on this podcast here for everybody. Ooh, is that exclusive, my, exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. My, my studio, <laughs> we are now building a UGC NFT uh, metaverse flywheel shooter game. And we're raising $100 million for that. So if anyone's interested, just hit me up. <laughs> anyway, you can, <laughs> you can only get the money if you keep a straight face while you pitch that. <laughs> It's called it's called Crypto Blocks Core. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> hit me up. Anyway, what, what do you guys think? <laughs> um, one thing that I'm thinking about here is, um, do you remember all those narrative uh, platform games on mobile? I forget what all their names, right? Like episode choices, all this stuff. There was the first one, which was UGC driven. Was that episodes? Uh, yeah, it was episodes. It was episodes? I think it was episodes. And then, and then there was another one, yeah, which came out afterwards. I think it was choices. Better. Which it was Pixelberry, which was more IP driven, more say quality, fewer bits of content, and actually ended up beating leapfrogging the original, which was based on UGC. Right. So, what my recommendations to Metacore would be it's kind of a weird analogy, right? But you look at these two different platforms, like Roblox is already filled with, right, like hundreds and thousands of games. Really, a lot of the the engagement gets concentrated in quite a few of them. So if you really want to move people over, I'm assuming you're going to have to try to figure out how do I get the right content elevated to the right people to retain enough of a player base to begin with. So seed up that flywheel or whatever the hell we're going to call it. Right, Seed, right? Like basically (laughs) get the right developers into the game, building great shooter game modes that could go into the service and actually retain enough of a player base that then could start the whole cycle over and over again, right? Um, because I, I feel like there's an analogy here of quality versus quantity. And I think 20,000 games, great on a pitch deck, but it's really about how do we get you know 10 to 20 of those game modes into this game uh, that can already start retaining those players. Uh, and then of course, partner with those devs uh, to the point that they will stay within your service. Because I completely agree with Eric. I think the the risk to Manticore really is Fortnite. Um, and I think Epic will sweep the floor with them. If they actually, as soon as they come up with a, a strong creative mode that has um, has the same types of hooks as Roblox and this, this whole like giant, um, you know, all these modes, all these different things that people can jump into, I think it's going to be very, very hard for Core to compete. I think Wait, people are already right. invested in Fortnite. Let me just clarify what you're suggesting. Are you suggesting they basically do the HBO model versus the TNT USA, where they basically, uh, you know, find developers, find IP, and 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 build more of a higher end service? I don't know who TNT is. is there, do they just oh, like make a bunch of crappy shows? <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> they just aggregate a bunch <laughs> of shit. <laughs> I just don't think you're going to be able to compete with Roblox and Epic if it's we're just going to build a whole bunch of yeah. content and hope one sticks, right? Um, I think thinking about that analogy of episodes and choices, it's going to be about focusing on quality. Yeah. Now, I actually, I might actually go talk to Patrick about that 
Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Actually, that's I think I said that to Patrick the last time we spoke. So you and I think very similarly. It's like I don't think you compete with these guys, you know. And and I think the only way is to carve out an, a niche. And 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 again, like what we said before, I think there could be a gazillion multiverses. And then this this uh, this fan is not going to be happy with that statement. But um, I think there's just going to be many communities that are around social content and and user generated content. So you got to you got to pick your niche, not try to be everything for everybody. Right? Yeah. Isn't there a play basically older Roblox? Like what? Sure, but Roblox I feel like Epic, I feel like Epic will mm -hmm. own that. Like I, like the whole point of Fortnite was aging out Minecraft. Yeah, that and was Roblox originally players. Minecraft. Um, subjectively, that's what I believe, right? So um, they might be able to take it in the beginning, but you have to be looking over the horizon and seeing Epic building out this creative mode and saying, how are you going to compete with that? I don't know. It's exciting, yeah. though. I'm excited to yeah. see what, what ends Congrats up happening. Congrats to everybody. I'm a big believer. There's a lot of great people at That's this company, cool. so I, I can't really yeah. knock them. But, of course, the, the whole purpose of this podcast is to be critical and to ask those tough strategic no, actually, questions, right? Wait, no, wait, wait. I think I have one. Hold on. I have one criticism, though, is that Frederick looks like he is the typical EA employee. <laughs> that, uh, he's got that BMI. He's got that look. I've heard he's actually really, really smart, but that's a warning, warning sign, right? Like that you gotta, you gotta make sure that he's got something behind, behind the uh, the good looks and the charisma, you know, like the Mister Face Man. But I've heard good things about him. But that's my only, that's my only like. So he's your criticism is that he's handsome. He's too good looking. That's the thing. You can't be that good looking, dude. And it's just, it's just, it's just sketchy, you know. I, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like oh, it. Man. Well, all right. Uh, talking about good looking, let's talk about the uh, the, the um, April's Fool Supercell releasing three Clash games into well, announcing three different Clash games. So, Clash of Clans reveals three new games: Clash Quest, Mini Clash Mini, and Clash Heroes. So, three games. Everybody has watched these videos. It has like six million views. I'm just gonna go one by one the games, and and then uh, you know talk a bunch of shit as we always do on this podcast. So <laughs> Clash Quest is the first one. It's an adventurous island hopping turn-based strategy games. You create dynamic troop combos, you take enemies and, and colossal bosses, quest through new islands in last in the Clash world. So this game actually released today and I've been playing it today even during this podcast as you guys were talking. It's a level-based single player puzzle game. The troops are essentially your turns, and when you run out of troops, you lose the match, and the uh, the game is trying to destroy your troops. It looks fun, what I wrote here, and actually plays pretty fun. It's very close to Legends of Soulguard that was released by Snowprint Studios and published by King. Uh, it kind of has a clash twist to it, but if you play those two games, quite similar. The way they tell a story, the, all the strategies, everything is quite similar. They're promising that there's going to be more depth through different item builds and the bosses. I've encountered one boss, and and um, I, I can't I can't really say that there's that much depth to the game at least yet. But of course, I've been playing only for an hour. They're kind of a USP is that they're deepening the Clash world. Um, you guys will probably play this game. I found the narrative uh, quite uh, kiddish, to be honest, and then it didn't really, at least for me deepen the clash world at all it was more like you know kind of almost like placeholder text so and and then the art style was was you know very blocky sort of a typical supercell um not not the highest quality of art somebody would say maybe in kiddish to to some extent um I, again my personal opinion it didn't blow my hair back like i i played the game it didn't feel like this was something new at least this first game I felt quite familiar. There's nice little twists. I will be playing this game uh, further because it's Supercell game. But again, the expectations are pretty huge. And of course, this game is made by, well, the game lead is Toko Takokalio, who's by far one of the smartest designers in the world. Uh, so the expectations personally, uh, from my side, from this game, for, for this game are super high. So if I sound negative, it's because I have such mad respect towards the person who's making this game that every time I, I feel like he's coming with a game, it has to kind of blow my hair back. Like it has to be like, wow, I've never seen this before. So that didn't happen to me. Maybe my expectations are a little bit too high, uh, but 
but um, you guys will play it soon, probably through and, and download it. But you know, curious to hear what others think. Um, game number two. So t- one of the games is out of Helsinki, and two of the games are out of their Shanghai studio. So the second game that they announced was called Clash Mini. It's a strategic board game set within the Clash universe, where players position their favorite characters and watch them come to life for battle. Or you could just say it's Clash Auto Chess. Like, let's be honest, guys. Come on. Like, what are, what are we trying to do here? Um, in in the presentation of this game, they avoid word Auto Chess, even though this is an Auto Chess game. I think the audience fit for this game is great because it's a strategy PvP game, and Clash is strategy PvP game, so it's kind of like a different take on it. Weirdly, they went with a super slim, simplistic art style. Um, the whole idea was to kind of imagine this as a board game played by the Clash characters. So they have this like almost like a, like a, like these, I don't know, it sounds like, looks like almost like a pop toys, like those Blitz toys. Uh, anyway, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe, Punkos. exactly. So maybe, Punkos. maybe it's good for readability. Uh, they talk a lot about cuteness of this game. And I don't know, when I, when I think about auto chess and strategic games, like cute is not the first thing that when I think about the art style. Like, I wish I wish this game was more cute, but I, I don't know. Uh, so the, the kind of like a question is always that, that in March 2020, so pretty much a little bit over a year ago, both Valve and Riot launched their auto chess games literally months after the whole auto chess um, frothy time came along. Like when people were watching auto chess on Twitch, these guys, these gigantic companies came out with their auto chess games super quickly. Like TFT has been on for, for a good year now. And then like Supercell is coming now a year later, over a year later since Riot globally launched their auto chess game. And for me, it's kind of like hard to fathom because Riot, like it's a gigantic company. A lot of people, you know, probably a lot of decision making, quality bars, super high. Like everything is slower because it's a big company and they're able to do something way faster than supercell so so now like my question is like okay so this game must be you know solved so many issues with auto chess because the auto chess craze ended a year ago like nobody's making auto chesses anymore and now supercell is coming so much later so maybe they figured out something that we don't know so it's super interesting to 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 play this game i i quite like auto chess games no dude okay Whoa, 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 whoa. Dude, they didn't figure shit out, dude. This this fucking genre doesn't make money, dude. They're not going to make money at it. They're going to fucking throw a good gajillion users at it. Is this... Wait a minute. I, I thought this was still an April Fool's joke. This I, is actually real? I, 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 I wasn't paying any attention. When I saw it, I'm like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna waste my time looking at this bullshit because it's April Fool's joke. It's real, yeah, dude. This is so real. real. I thought it was right. April Fool's. Like, I actually wrote in my notes, this must be an April Fool's joke, but I played one of the games. So clearly nobody would make a game as an April Fool's joke. But Eric, I mean, to some extent you're right, but word on the street is that TFT is making money hand over fist. Uh, I'm like, yes. That- well, I mean, I think the, the word on the street is that Riot still firmly believes it will be a billion dollar game. You're out of your fucking firmly. mind. You're what? out of your fucking mind. What's going on? <laughs> Listen, I'm the one. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. it's yeah. top 30 on Twitch, roughly the same as PUBG. So I guess if you're talking lifetime. like a billion dollars, how many lifetime. years does it take to get there? A lifetime. Lifetime. That's that's yeah. a that's a typical Riot um, bar. Yeah. I goddamn so, mind. That game's not making no, any money. No, like, like I'm, I'm... We're just, we're just, yeah, really, we're, we're, the, we're the messenger... Eric, I'm the one that's who plays actually TFT, and I'm like, so. this game can't be making money because I would pay for something, but there's nothing worth paying. And when I heard from credible sources, multiple credible sources, that this game is on its way to become a billion-dollar franchise, I was like, I don't know shit. So that's good to remember now that I'm talking about this auto chess game <laughs> that it might be the, the biggest thing ever, and maybe it's the perfect art style, and they figured out something about monetization that this game will work actually on mobile. But again... For me, it just it feels really weird that this game is so late from the competition. Everybody, like everybody, launched these games so much earlier than Supercell. So I, I don't know how this, how, how, why, why this would happen. Anyway, let's move on to game number three, which is the game that I'm really excited about, actually. So the game number three is you explore the Clash world like never before. You take your favorite Clash characters to undiscovered lands, complete epic quests, and become legendary. 
Clash Heroes. Now this game, fuck, like when I was watching the video, like it stood out by miles from everything before because it actually looked familiar, but it was still fresh. It looked new, it looked epic, it had a great art style, it offered multiplayer action RPG, it was made in Unreal, and which is which you know is I think it's a great thing. Supercell's engine is really old, so them using Unreal is is interesting interesting point. Um, you know the content pipeline for this kind of game is going to be a little bit of a hellish one, but I'm I'm confident that that Nan, who we actually talked about in this podcast, he's the game lead for this game, uh, used to work at Riot. I think I think this team is going to pull it off. Like this game looks truly. Truly new and, and something that I would expect from Supercell. So hats off to to the uh, to Nan's Shanghai team, uh, fucking badass looking game. And um, <laughs> kind of going to the, the second part of the feedback, it was kind of funny because I was watching these videos with sound on. And, and um, what what Eric? You're... Dude, it's an action it's RPG, RPG. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like it's a dual stick action RPG. How many of those have failed in the West? Like a gajillion, right? Like what the fuck are we talking about? I, I don't understand. Like they've basically gone after the three. Well, the first one is the only one that makes somewhat of sense, but the other ones have already failed a gajillion times with huge IPs. They're going to funnel all their users to these games. They're not going to monetize. They're going to churn out and they're going to be kind of worse the way to, than they were before. Just the same with know. Clash Royale, right? Well, ARPGs, ARPGs aren't that great in the West, but you got to say globally, yeah. especially no, no, no. in Asia, no, no, they, no. they do pretty well. No, no, no. Uh, they, their content's not going to play in, in not? Japan or even Clash, hey, Clash man. was like top 10 South in Korea? Yeah, because they spent a gajillion dollars to get their game no. in there, you know? Like, it's not... No. It's not. Oh, dude, th this... Okay, uh, all right. I didn't actually spend a lot well, of time was, looking at I this, and I don't want to be off like, the cuff doing here. The Japan launch, so I kind of know the budgets. They didn't spend on TV. Or they didn't Japan spend on on, on uh, yes. They didn't spend in in, in terms of, uh, yeah, of advertising. Course were, of course, there was advertising spend, but it wasn't it wasn't anything that would be like absolutely outrageous and and paid to the top. There were a whole different. I heard I thought it was like twenty thirty million dollars, and they were doing like uh, advertising on on. Oh, on you're thinking about you're thinking about yeah, you're thinking about later and, stages with Korea and so forth. Like, yeah, that's a different one. Dude, what I'm saying is that's not replicable and it's not profitable, right? The amount of money they spent, you can't, it's just- This is just my opinion. Oh, I think whatever. this game right. looked really good and it played differently than action. I played action RPGs on mobile. I played the uh, the Marvel one that made about hundred million a year. It plays a little bit different. Like this game looked more like Brawl Stars type of stuff than, than the sort of a typical action RPG, which is almost like a MOBA-ish. Dude, it doesn't have autoplay. It's a, it's a it's a single character. I can't tell. Sorry, I should shut right. up. I'll, I'll look at we'll it. We'll, we'll talk about, about it next week. week. I just there's yeah. there's a million of these games, and there, and then none of them have done well. Yeah, I, I gotta agree with Mishka though. Of the of the three, yeah. that one looks the no, most. It looks cool. To me, I would play this game. I'm just saying it's not going to make yeah. any money. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, of, of the three, which would you say has the best? chance right maybe I mean, number one but even you know, then all right I'll, I'll, I'll i'm sorry i should do a little bit more <laughs> digging on this but but i guess the, joe so, what what's 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 setting your opinion about it like you look at that video it looks like a dual stick single button action game and I, you have the character running around like what part of that is saying like oh my god this is going to be another billion dollar hit for super self well, I, I, I didn't say that. I didn't. I said of the three, that looks the most promising. <laughs> but I would say that I do. I I, I think that uh, in terms of like user needs and what's missing in the market, yeah. there are people looking for uh, yeah. co fun co-op yeah. experiences oh, on mobile. That's just a okay. user need that a lot of people oh are looking God. for. How could? How many times right? do I have now, to have this the monetization? How many times? I was talking about this in 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 at, at Kabam like eight years ago. Okay, like I I, tell, I totally one hundred percent agree with you. Everyone that you if you do if, if you if you sorry if you do customer research and you folk, do focus groups and you do surveys, everyone's going to say that they want an action RPG on mobile, right? Everybody, right? There's no doubt, one hundred percent, and they're going to tell you exactly what they want. They want a story. They want great graphics. They want amazing gameplay. They want like. Character progression, all these things I, that we talk I, about. I don't care about the what? user research. 
I know. Go ahead. And so keep, keep going. Go ahead. But the thing is that no one is willing to spend on that stuff in the West. Like it is, it is, it is a, a quagmire of shite that that people are building these games that no one really wants. Because yes, they will download and play them, but they'll churn out as quickly as possible. There's no re-engagement mechanisms. There's no business model going forward. They're not investing in single characters. The only thing they care about is collecting characters. That's what makes money in the West, right? And so it's all about character collection and upgrade Evo and all that other stuff. And so it, it, it is a false false positive when you look at CI research to say that this is what people want. Because yes, that's what they want, but that's not what they're willing to spend on. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm not quite sure what you're arguing with me about, Eric. So like, is monetization difficult? I'm not arguing that. I'm saying of those three, this one looks the most promising. They're going to have to figure out monetization in a better way. Uh, I personally don't give a shit if these games make a make zero in the West so long as they make money globally. So if there's a way of making money in other markets, that's fine too. And uh, yeah, I mean, one, one thing I will say is we we were right. Like predicted Supercell would be working on two games, an auto chess game and a CCG more like Hearthstone. I feel like they're probably secretly, there's a team probably secretly working secretly. on that game as well. But I mean, secretly. I... What? I don't know. <laughs> no, I think so. I mean, that's, it's, there's only a yeah. few genres that make a lot of sense for Supercell, so I, I think I know, that they're not building them. That that's probably another game in, in the works, and we'll, yeah. we'll see if they launch that at some point yeah. as well. I guess, but, like when you say yeah. like, which games best fit Supercell, um, it's funny. It's funny so, with the action so their RPG, model, right? Uh, like when it's a co-op PVE focused game as a service, that's typically where they falter. Yeah. But anyways, I'll, I'll go through my... Yeah, my... yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what you guys are arguing no, with no, me no. about because yeah. it's not like I disagree with the sentiments, right? But I'm just saying, of those three... No, like, Joe, that we, we're only doing this because we do... enjoy picking on you. It's just the funnest thing to do on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, will they have... Will, their biggest challenge will be monetization. Yeah. Are they going to be able to figure that I out? I think their biggest challenge uh, is so. going to be live so. content. And I think that's the biggest difference in PvE. It's a similar challenge to League of Legends, mm -hmm. right? Wild Rift, which is, from a gameplay perspective, it's great. The, the gameplay is there. There are people playing that game. Like, you know, I, I mean, I've got a bunch of people in a, in a Telegram group, and those guys are playing till like 2, 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they got jobs and stuff, right? So the gameplay is there. The monetization, maybe not quite there, right? And so that that's, uh, they're still making some money now, right? But uh, for Supercell, if they make a fun game that everyone loves, that's great. Will they be able to solve the monetization challenges? I really hope so. So good luck to Nan. I, I hope he figures it out. I, I'd love to see that game. And I'm just saying of the three, that's the one I would expect to, to hit, if any. Yeah. Um, I guess my notes on the, the ones that I've seen, the Clash Quest game, um, which is the, the puzzle game, um, one thing that I'll correct, the Legend of Solgar game was based on Clash of Heroes, Might and Magic, which is an old Nintendo DS game. Exactly. Right that game was amazing, yeah, so right? Did you love that game? It was a mobile that game was too. incredible. It yeah. was a mobile. Yeah, dude, I put so many mobile. hours in that game. Yeah. And you know where that, that game was made? Toronto, Canada. Nice. All right. Got my little <laughs> plug in there. Um, anyways, um, but the, this game doesn't really look like it's completely the same, right? So you said it's actually out, so I could actually yeah, yeah. play it now? Okay. No, Which no, countries is it out in? It's only it's only in it's only in oh. Europe. Um, All right, okay. I'll have to pull up Finland account. Cool. No, I'll definitely check it out because I think like all of these games are all going to be based on different models. This one is firmly has to be CCRPG and a puzzle combination, right? So it has to be built on a number of different progression paths. Like you look at the difference between empires and puzzles, and say Smashland, like their previous um, attempt in this space, right? Um, having a full village building component on top of hero collection, on top of all of these Adapting. events that they're running, right? If they don't have that, I think it's going to be they incredibly difficult. So I will definitely come on, yeah. man. Dude, thank you. Thank you. Dude, at least, <laughs> come on. At least he's on my side, dude. He's got the, like, the words of wisdom going on right now. All right. Um, but of the three games, this one's the easiest to monetize. The first one. If, if, if they add all those progression vectors. Yeah, like, no, no. I, I honestly I love I love this team, right? Like I've got a huge crush on the game lead here, right? Like awesome designer. Um, but well, come on. You're the one who you just had a crush on the CEO of Manticore. Oh, I said he's handsome. I don't have a crush on him. I just think he's handsome. He's <laughs> yeah, got the PMI. 
to make things work. Crush, okay? I could have a professional I'm, crush. I'm more jealous of him. Not, not. I don't have a crush on him. <laughs> I'm trying to be him. You know, I want to get to that BMI. You know, like working on it. Okay. Anyways, um, but yeah, they 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 need the economic depth, right? They need all these progression paths. They need these ways. Um, they have all these different modes. Like what I'd love to see here. Um, in both either the Clash Mini or this mostly Clash Quest is like a roguelike mode like they had in AFK Arena, um, as well as like going very, very deep on these modes like um, Conquest, where you just bring in a huge team and there's a huge benefit to having a large collection. They need these things. They don't, uh, dude, okay. (laughs) See, Adam and I speak the same language, but he says it much more eloquently than I do. They don't have the well, depth. Because I respect the yeah. team. You just don't yeah. respect the team. It's fine. No, I don't. It's not, it's not, <laughs> not about respect. It's what's possible, what, what, what's capable of making money, right? And I don't think any of these things are capable of making any type of serious money. And, uh, and for the reasons that Adam said. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, on chess, I'm fine with them being this late because honestly, the space, like everybody rushed to that auto chess model and it was fundamentally broken. I think we all can agree on that now, right? Um, TFT, even though it's sustaining at a low level, obviously needs a lot of live content in order to maintain that. And monetization is incredibly weak. So if they come in and say, look, we're going to learn from what happened on Clash Royale in terms of their economic scale issues when they get into the further years, right? We're going to build this strategic game based on auto chess that actually has proper monetization through progression, where their audience is absolutely fine with that. They could win this genre, right? Still, you're competing as TFT. It's not a massive genre, but still, they could definitely win the strategy space in there. Um, Clash Heroes, that's the one where um, I also have a lot of respect for Nam, and I think action RPG is a very interesting genre, but I think a co-op dungeon crawler in this space, the gameplay from the video looks very, very simple. My, my biggest question is, does it actually have the depth necessary to correct all the mistakes from all of these eight action RPG attempts, like Future Fight and like Raziel from, from NetEase? So one thing that was was interesting was when you looked at the characters, right? Is it actually a single character RPG, which to me is kind of dead on arrival or is it a character collection game where you're trying to work your way through these levels and then it becomes a content treadmill right and is not ready for that yeah yeah it says you have to collect characters no Uh, all right well we'll have to look into it anyways we've we've already gone too deep on this i want to say a couple of things about this it's it's not it's it's not a squad game based game though it's a single yeah, player yeah. game even if you have to collect it. if you're not using them on a regular basis then that's not we'll a, see about it's not the okay. same so all right moving on let's let's move on all right moving on rift um so I was hoping to do this segment this week and then Joe got lazy and Eric just forgot about it busy no 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 I've been swallowed hold on a minute let me just let me correct this. Joseph is super freaking busy. Eric is being lazy. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, there's a huge that, difference. I thought Joe was up until two in the morning playing League of Legends. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No. Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah, so League of Legends yeah. is now out in yeah. open beta. Um, so it currently feels like a global launch. I'm not really sure exactly how this is all going to run. But anyways, starting March 28th, they had their global launch. It's released in the United States. And sorry, yeah. do you guys hear the background noise? Yeah, what is it? Like, is Canada getting bombed or something? <laughs> is that like a, <laughs> that's my neighbor. I don't know. What is that like a nuclear <laughs> attack warning? You know, maybe you should uh, get off the podcast and go like find your family. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Wild Rift is out. Uh, I guess we'll cover it next week because um, we've already gone through in depth here. And I guess you guys need to come prepared with your actual um, estimates. But the prediction, at least we'll set that in stone. The prediction that we'll be making next week, so tune in next time, is how much revenue will League of Legends make in its first year post-open beta launch in the West? So that will be March 8th, 2021 to March 27th, 2022. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> iOS and Android, no China. No Korea, no Japan, and no Taiwan to focus solely on Western, non-Asian revenue. Um, And that's a prediction to see how much revenue they'll make in that first year. You guys all agreed? Everyone ready? 
I agree. I agree. I it's it's a bloodbath out there, dude. There's so many corpses on that on that hill. Yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. see what we'll see what these guys can do with their so we're not, their reach. No. You know, what? I was actually Nothing. we're not doing the Go prediction ahead. now. We're not throwing any numbers. No, no, no. I, no. I if half the people on the podcast didn't even prepare. Well, after after failing relatively hard on Call of Duty, <laughs> well, I'm going to give this a little bit more thought. But you know what scares me a little bit is that the <laughs> Teamfight Tactics game that Riot put out didn't get even that yeah, many downloads. It was 50 million downloads right? for that, and Runeterra, which was Apple's game of the year, got 13 million installs. Yeah, it's like these type of games do not scale the way you'd hope. Like. Back to back to Clash of uh, the Clash, whatever the fucking Clash of Clans game is that they're doing. That quest game, the the, the RPG Clash will do quest, a lot yeah. more downloads than than yeah. this type of game. Yeah. So oh, uh, anyway, sure. all right. I don't know why I'm I'm tipping my hat here, but um, basically, you can't make money on a game unless it gets that type of scale, right? Like this. So uh, so that that's kind of where I'm leading anyway. But we'll we'll talk yeah, about it next week. And how much of that Call of Duty mobile launch actually just came from like organic interest in the game versus user acquisition during launch? Well, yeah. they spent a shit ton of money at launch to get this thing out there. Like whatever. Like you're looking at the peaks here, right? Like we had what was it, three million one day from uh, yeah. League of Legends at launch, versus Call of Duty Mobile had sixteen yeah. million in one day. Yeah, yeah. it right. was massive. Yeah. So, so think about this. Think about the previous launch. Think about Brawl Stars launching. And think about League of Legends launching. Like they had their first peak that came in last year, and that was like eight million. And then they cut off U- UA, and now they came for the second peak. And that second peak, which was sort of like a global launch where they did a little PR, was even smaller than the first peak. So the fact that they're not going all in right. is kind of worrisome here. Like there's no like League of Legends is here. Everybody play. Let's get like forty million downloads in the first first week. No, there's nothing. Yeah. I think they're they're probably making the argument that they they have a better content plan later that that they want to make sure that people are engaged when the content is fully. Oh, this is going to be really but, cool. This is really. I don't terrible. know, man. I'm telling you, like they're already thinking about. I already made this predict. By the way, dude, I made this prediction like four weeks ago. I said, look, this is good. Rune Terror was the biggest <laughs> biggest disaster in 2020, and this is going to be the biggest disaster in 2021 <laughs> in terms of disappointment. Yeah. No, the no, biggest no, no, no. disaster I said the biggest, was it disappointment. The biggest? This disappointment. Now, didn't I say? Do you remember me saying this? Oh, disappointment. No? Okay, okay. All right, I'm gonna have to go get the audio. God damn it! Well, I have to say, I played this game over the weekend. I played it both on iPhone and iPad, and I'll be, you know, we're all fans of Riot here. At least everybody except Eric. But um, <laughs> honestly. Honestly, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm too old and slow to play yeah. League of Legends, man. I'm, I just don't have it, that Twitch. Dude, my fa- fingers can't move well, that fast. It's not even you know, about so that. Like, I didn't feel like there was anything new. Like, I played um, Reno Valor before. I played Bangalore when it came. Like, Bangalore at least had different output. But but this is like a, a good 5v5 mobile mobile. Um, you know, they made a little bit of accessibility things. But the, even the accessibility that they talked about, like, when the game starts, it it shoots that League of Legends mobile MOBA jargon on you, like jungler, ganking, laning. Like, I understand what these mean, but I remember when I heard it for the first time, I need to have a tutor next to me explaining what these words mean. But in this game, there's none of that. It just shows you here how you move. This is the, uh, the touch controls. No, it's, it's no they, they've got a tutorial for all that. There. Yeah. Like, they, they, they yeah. yeah, they did. I feel like this game actually has the best onboarding really? experience for a MOBA. Did I skip the okay, tutorial? Sure. I'm a dummy. Sorry. I think yeah. I skipped the tutorial. The, the pre-screen kind of sucks. The AOV yeah. will be pre-screen, yeah. like before you but go it, into a match. The game didn't feel like, like, like anything Yeah. Else. Yeah, it's, the, it's good, but it's not new. I, like, I actually think the gameplay is good. Yeah. The gameplay is the good. Their sucks. social sucks. They don't have clans, which sucks. Lonely. There's some like, other parts that aren't as great. Yeah. But to be honest, is clans the reason why... Like, like, no, I mean, I, I don't think social in no, terms of clans like is critical for it's version one chat. at launch, right? Yeah. It's not critical, but they can There's, do a better. That's an area of growth, but I feel like the, the crux of it has to be, can they actually sustain this audience? Dude. <laughs> one thing people aren't talking about is that their chat is a lot better, right? Because right now... Any anyone who's like thirteen or younger cannot play AOV without seeing, you know, racist, homophobic, 
really graphically disturbing chat happened, but okay, you don't have that in disturbing chat. Is it like an ASCII thing? Well, no, no, I'm no, not exactly, but curious. just like the way oh, they okay. describe some of the text, like I'm going to X you in the, you know, whatever you, <laughs> so you don't want to see that for your kids. <laughs> That's all over AOV. So, so we uh, can not say in that the, the key reason why AOV is one of the biggest mobile games in the world is because of that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying that Wild, like Wild Rift, could get a younger Western audience. Not, not that that makes. I'm not saying that makes a meaningful difference, but you will. <laughs> you're definitely not going to see younger kids in, yeah. in AOV if their if no, their parents have anything to do with it. That's one issue that ten, uh, that Tencent's going to have to clean Dude, up with. You guys, uh, the forest through the trees well. here is that a MOBA is not going to work in the West on mobile, no matter how well it's designed. So you could talk about fucking language filters and whatever content cadence or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's like this type of gameplay is not going to work. And that's the way it's been for the last decade. I think it depends on how you define work. Like I, I think there will definitely at some point, I don't know if it's like today, there will be a top 100 grossing game in in the West. Top 100 MOBA. Mobile, at some Mobile point. Legends. Again, I don't know if it's today, but it'll happen. Mobile Legends was top 100. Did... Yeah, you. Uh, Mobile Legends was top 100 globally. Top 100 was it US. top 100 like US West? Okay. Well, <sighs> we're already there. It's, it's Eric just... is just depressed. Mobiles will have an increasing part of the market. Now, will it be top 10? That's that's debatable, but like it, it'll definitely have a pretty decent market. I, I, I and, think, and, you know, you know, okay market. It's, it's going to do relatively well, but it's going to be disappointing numbers for Riot because their expectations are super high. Yeah, that's a consistent theme. Yeah. All right, which game do you say is, is top Mobile 100? Legends. Bang, bang. Mobile, mobile legends. Oh, you mean mobile, mobile legends? Bang, bang. All right. Yeah, bought by Bike Dance last week. Moon, moonlit, something moon, moon tongue. Yeah, moon connected. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's just moon tongue. Exactly. Moon active is coin master, guys. Too many names. Uh, yeah, that anyways, yeah. I feel like we're puttering yeah, but, out here. But it's, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. By the way, Eric, you playing Outriders? Oh yeah, shoot! I meant to do that in the uh, in the review. I mean, in the in the uh, updates. Um, yeah, I got through the uh, to level thirty. I mean, I got to level cap, so I'm at the end game. Really? Oh, man, it, it's so. <laughs> The story is so bad. The core no, no, game no. is pretty. Hey, hey, dude, this is like Heart of Darkness shit, dude. It's like the same fucking storyline ever, dude. I mean, I, I actually don't mind the story. I don't mind the story. I don't mind the gameplay. I think that yeah. the, 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 the systems are good in terms of, of character. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the guns are really cool because they are a little bit differentiated. And, the, and the, definitely the skills are super cool. So all the pieces are there, right? And if I were to... Um, uh, Oh my god! I just had a. I was thinking about the. Anyway, nonetheless, the game is really good, but the end game it just fucking blows up for me because for me personally, I cannot stand time based stuff. When I have time pressure, it's just so stressful. It's not fun, right? Like yeah. I want it, I want things I can go completion and take my time if I need it, right? But if if, if you're racing against the clock, that kind of pulls me out completely, and that's like. Yeah. The entire Elder game is based upon that. Not not the entire Elder game, but the the main components of actually progressing and getting gear is, is like that. And if if it wasn't for that, I think I'd be in. But now I'm I'm a little bit. Yeah, I, from an RPG designer's perspective, they did that because they needed to have those DPS checks on your gear. Yeah, I know. The easiest know, way to do it is with time. I know why they it's did lazy. it, and I, yeah, I, I have to play it a little bit more to see if the more gear I get. The easier, so much easier it becomes that it, it becomes a little bit more progressive, but still the stress of time just sucks. But I, what I really wanted to say was that this was what Anthem should have been. Like, you know, like maybe I'm very simplistic in my thinking here is that this is what Anthem was meant to be, really, right? Post apocalyptic characters. I mean, I know it's not mechs and stuff, but like the same idea, looter shooter in more of in this kind of universe with like towns and, 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 
you know, moving from location to location, going through the story. Like, I honestly just think they took fucking Anthem and fixed it. You know, that's what People Can Fly did with this game. And I thought they did a really good job for, for a relatively smaller team. I mean, I think it's an exceptional achievement. I think the end game still needs work as all these games end up being, but I'll play it. And then for the super core that have literally been playing the game for a week, they're all legendaries out. I don't know what they do now, right? And and that's they're going to lose that audience pretty quickly if there's nowhere else, nowhere else to do. And this is a thing that's only been out a week, you know, and you go look on YouTube and you see these guys like with just super like tricked out gear at the highest levels, you know? So um, anyway... I, I, it was a good game. It was really, I, it's worth playing, I think. And as particularly as, as a, um, any type of designer or in the business of, like, of, of creating a game like this, I think it is a good comp, right? Oh, we're still I think we bored oh, the audience. I was getting into that now. part. That was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let, okay. let, let's call it a wrap here, guys.